is Amanda. And this is Chris. And this is Vocal Perspective. Welcome to Vocal Perspective, everyone. This is Amanda, and we are here for episode 85, and we have a very special guest for you today. I believe when I texted Chris and said we confirmed this interview, she dropped her phone and then took a few minutes and then got back to me. Yeah, my phone is shattered. <laughs> and it wasn't from a high note. <laughs> nope. We're both altos. Come on. Lady Bass. But Kim Nazarian is here. Yes! You probably best know her from New York Voices, but she does so many other things, and we're going to talk about as many of those things today as possible. Hello, Kim. How are you? Oh, I'm doing just fine as we transition out of the pandemic into what we are trying to create as a normal life. Wow, what is that? Um, we talk about that almost every episode, the new normal or whatever that word is. I, I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of cool though. We get to like, create it though. It is what, That's yeah, right. Wow. To me, it's, it's kind of like music and jazz and that the more information you garner, the more you get to use. We will be using all the things that we learned, I think, during the pandemic and implement them and try to be better human beings, better artists, better creatures on the planet. Oh my gosh. Now I'm, you already got me in a better mood. Yeah. I was so tired. I was like, but I get to talk to Kim tonight. And now I'm already like, oh my gosh, we get to create the future. We get to make it what we want to make it. And that's a really nice way to look at it. Especially from the her spec. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. So we always start these with giving people a little bit of a background with why do you do this? You dove in, I mean, head first, and now you've been doing this for over 30 years. What yeah. got you here? That would be New York Voices for over 30 years. But my profession started in the world of musical theater. I always thought I would sing and dance and act and Anita and West Side Story for the rest of my life. But other things came into being and New York Voices was one of those paths. And I finally had to decide what it was that I wanted to do because it was connected to, at that time, four other people. When you are collaborating and you are compromising with people and you are sharing time with people, that has to become a priority. It's kind of like family and marriage and all those other commitments that you make. When you make that commitment, you have to decide how you're going to share your time and, and how to prioritize those things. So New York Voices did become the primary priority, but not the only source of income. We right. all have to do other things in order to make ends meet in this world and to live comfortably, to live the way we want to live, to at that time, pay for your health insurance. And you today, know? pay for your and, health insurance. Yeah. And as you get older to oh, a down payment on a house. Uh, okay. <laughs> a car. Okay. A child. Oh, all right. You know, so all of these things come into being and you have to wear other hats and be creative and figure out what your strengths are. And one of those strengths for me was teaching. So early on, I started my vocal studio. And since then, I have been teaching everywhere, many colleges, many festivals, many clinics. I'm conducting, which, you know, I was never <laughs> a music major in school. I was an acting major. So oh, I'm kind you of... you were one of those, you know, you were, you were like, oh, they get to come over and take the parts because they're so good at acting. <laughs> we love you. My senior part, you know, I was uh, the leading player in Pippin. Yeah, I was going to say, fun. I don't think you can sing or anything. So I'm sure everybody was really mad that this non-singer came over and was like taking all the parts. Well, I was <laughs> like, her voice stinks. Not. I was kind of scared to be a music major because I didn't think I would succeed. Honestly. Uh, That's why I didn't do it. I was, well, and also yeah. my parents said, please don't major in music. Yeah. <laughs> please major in something that you can get a job in. And I was like, well, music has jobs. Yeah. Well, my parents were like, you can do music, but you have to be a teacher. I was like, okay. Uh, okay. 
Well, I did as much performing in the School of Music as I possibly could. I was in every ensemble, madrigals, chorus, oh. choir, the vocal jazz ensemble. I had my own dance band in college. So I was singing and performing and dancing and doing as much as I possibly could then, which led to what I'm doing now. And it all comes together in the teaching, the life, the schooling, the experiences, the road, the recording. It's all part of what we share. And if you can be, I think, efficient and articulate in the way you talk about your path and your process, your students can see success within 20 minutes, 10 minutes, you know, with a choir, 10 minutes then you're onto something. So my teaching, it took off both in my private studio, now my Zoom studio. It used to be a Skype studio, now it's a Zoom studio. And I teach at two <laughs> colleges. I teach at Ithaca College, if you can believe nice. it. Nice, congrats. The school yeah. that I was afraid to be a music major in, I am now teaching the vocal jazz majors there. Isn't that wonderful? Oh, I and it. I just love, I love the upstate New York connection because I was right down the road at Hamilton. So oh, yeah. I know that area Full of upstate right New York there. very well. That's King. right, newly on faculty at uh, that's awesome. So I just want to highlight the fact that you said, you know, you have to do all of these other things because when I work with students and I, I want to like shout that from the rooftops because all of my students are like, I'm going to be a musician and I'm going to tour and that's all I'm going to do and I'm going to make it. And like in their minds, that is what the definition of success is. Well, you know, I, I mean, you just... good luck to them. If, if, you know, we always talk about visualizing and if you see yourself doing that, you will probably do that. So hooray for them for believing that they can do that and want to do that. But can they eat on that? Eating is important. You yes. learn that as an adult. You're like, oh, there are bills that do have to be paid and, yes. and food does cost money. And I do occasionally get hungry. Right. I mean, I see all of these students and they have lots of talents and I'm like, there's nothing I, I just want to get out of their heads. I'm like, if you do performing and something else, and it doesn't even have to be related to your music. Sometimes it's nicer when it all kind of wraps itself up in a nice bow. I'm like, that's not a failure. You're still doing what you love. And you don't have to be Lady Gaga to right because she does other things. What too. happens is what happens is they give up so quickly. I feel like there's a longevity problem we have where people come in quick, they burn out quick, because it's not the fans. It's not the support the artist. It's the artists themselves what I'm seeing. And it's partly because of the level of heat that they come in at it at is great. But if it doesn't meet up to their expectation, it, it just crashes on them. And then they're like, oh, that's it. Yeah. And you know what? With social media today, the definition of success and the rate of success and the chances of success are just so exponential. <laughs> that, you know, it's totally different from my rate of success, which was, you know, getting a record deal within one year. Whoa. Right. Right. Like that's like. Yeah. Whoa. Now and it's touring, um, everybody's touring, streaming. You know. Right. And touring the world and staying together for 33 years. That's a measure of success, right? Absolutely. Staying together through a pandemic. That's a measure of success. Still being friends and caring about their family and friends and doing things outside of the music industry together. Still performing and using your instrument after that many years is welcome. I think that's something also to be said, because I think there's a whole lot of abuse on our own selves in the music industry, in the arts. There can be. It doesn't have to be. That's right. And we do not have to feed that myth nope. that every touring musician just beats themselves 
up and parties all night and blah, right. blah, 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 blah. New York Voices, we talk about, you know, we can party, we have fun, but we are also thinking about the gig the next day after a flight, a sound check. Maybe you're singing with a big band, a right? Dry so you gotta, you gotta, a dry hotel. A dry hotel, that's right. You got to make room, good food, the whole nine yards. We have learned how to maintain and to take care of ourselves. And, you know, we've gone through some stuff. I had an ulcer on my retinoid in the first year of New York Voices touring life, which I had a fourth and I kind of was lip syncing for two weeks while the band was getting standing ovations. Talk about humility. Yeah. Um, wow. <laughs> Yeah. But, you know, and Darman's had his, you know, back issues. Peter's had some health issues. Lauren's dealt with stuff in her family. But we've both had children. Lauren and I have had children on the yeah. road. It's juggling. It's balancing. A really important word about balancing your life and your career and those other things that you perhaps would like to do. And even in my teaching, talk about music making compared to so many other things, whether mm -hmm. you're an athlete or whether you're a chef or whether you're a visual artist, right? It's all got that same a dancer. It's all got that same foundation, right? That then grows and blooms and blossoms into other things. Right. And when you have that, and I want to touch on going on tour because when I got pregnant with, I had just made it. I just signed contracts for a group that was professional. We had agents, everything was going. But in my personal life, I had already planned it all out. I was like, well, I was planning on having a baby and I got pregnant about six months into signing the contract. So here we were a year in and I was getting ready to have this baby. And everyone just assumed I was leaving. I was going to give it all up. And I've done it. But I mean, and you were touring far more extensively than I was. So what was that like? I always want to hear from moms that have been out on the road yes. because everyone seems to think like it's an impossible concept. It is not an impossible concept. It is impossible to do it by yourself. So you must be willing to accept help, right? Especially if you want to maintain your level of excellence as an artist and you're a first time mom and you want to get it right. You know, yes. you just want to do it right for that. All of the things I need to get all of them right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and truth be told, ladies, by the second one, you don't care about doing it right as bad. You figure like you already know most of it. It, it is a thing. So the first time it's way harder. By three, well, I, I, mean, I don't have three, but like I'm assuming by three, it would just be like a baby comes out taking care of itself. <laughs> I was only blessed with one and a career, but I had a concert a month before he was born. And I had that all planned out too, but he decided to be born on the road that night. So my, oh my. son was born in my hometown because oh. we had a concert close to my hometown and my family came and brought me back. And I was at my sister's house and I went into labor a month early and my oh son my was born to the date four weeks before he was due. Oh my goodness. So uh, yeah, so we had to cancel uh, when I, realized what was going on with my life and my pregnancy. Uh, we had to cancel some dates in Europe and that promoter got all mad at us and wanted a doctor's note that what? I was, that I was like, really pregnant and having a baby. So I had to send proof that I was pregnant to Germany for this promoter, which is hysterical, right? Can I show you the umbilical cord? I mean, yeah, I don't yeah, know. I will send you the placenta. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh but look at it pee on a stick you while you watch like it's like prison like somebody has to see it be my pee oh my god so after he was born we took six weeks off for family leave from the mm -hmm. band both lauren and i did that with our child which you know time. any job you would hopefully get at least a six-week family leave right but you don't it's not paid for one right. thing right and we're paying for our own insurance but i went to work six weeks right after that and i sang with the pittsburgh ballet that was my first first gig 
and my son was in his little carry-on car seat in the wings while That's I was what I did with mine. <laughs> on stage with the Pittsburgh Ballet. And you know what? It turned out okay, didn't it? It turned out okay, you know? And then my next big gig was, this was a difficult one. It was a live gig again in Pittsburgh. That's where we were living at the time, at the Manchester Craftsman's Guild. And we were doing a live recording, New York Voices, with Paquito de Rivera, doing a Brazilian Dreams record. And we had to learn all this new music. We were singing in Portuguese for the first time. And I just got totally stressed as a new mom, new project. And I got, you know, a form of hysterical laryngitis from stress. So luckily we had four nights to record this program and then, you know, pick the best performances. The first night I kind of had nothing. The second night I had a little more, but then the third and fourth shows, you know, I was kind of back. I was over the nerves and the stress and we actually got a record out of it, which was just incredible. But that was my one big stress test. I was like, okay, you need to relax. I was just and talking that's key, like just relax. Yeah, I was just talking I mean, to singers the other night about that saying, you know, I can do as much for your physical game, getting you warmed up and stretched. And I can tell you all the things that I do. But if you come in and you're carrying a lot of stress, you may be hearing that in your voice. You may be feeling that in my voice. I'm like, you're actually likely hearing it and feeling it in your voice. So sometimes it's not all what we can do physically or no level of opening your throat, you bring know, it back. All kinds of emotional and mental health that we need to maintain as vocalists. And frankly, I talk about the voice being your fingerprint and whatever is going on with you can tell in the voice. You can hear it, you can detect it. But getting back to the whole, you know, family and support system, you know, my mother helped for the first two weeks of my child rearing. She came to Pittsburgh and lived with us. And, you know, my husband at that time was a touring musician as well and had raised two sons of his own. So experience there. And my son had two older stepbrothers. So they were there to help as well. And the New York Voices became aunts and uncles and bus drivers and sound men. And I took my cousin along as my Nana for the first two years. And, you know, and we had babysitters all over the world. We had babysitters in Brazil. We had babysitters in Japan. We had babysitters in Germany. People that were willing to, to help us out. And you had to trust that your baby was going to be all right. So much trusting. The only scary one for me was we were performing at a wedding in West Virginia and I found a local and it was like this little town in the middle of nowhere. And I was like, okay, we're going to be in the same building, but please don't steal my baby. Please just don't steal my baby. I'm going to trust you. <laughs> Oh my yeah. God. Oh, it's so encouraging though. And like, here you are on the other side of that and your career has flourished. Your career has gone on. And it's just so nice to, because so many women are just like, okay, well, I'm a mom now. So my career just is over now. That's well, you know, my what? time is over. I'm raising a musician. My son is a 21 year old jazz bass performance major at Oberlin College, a creative writing minor and playing baseball. Oh so, my gosh. I love it. So I son. think he turned out okay is what Aww. you're saying. My 10 year old, I hope he turns out to be like that. Aww. Yes. As a, as a person. He's a wonderful person. He's a wonderful human being. Do I wish he'd pick up his room? Yes. Darn it. I really Same. thought it would change. <laughs> you mean it doesn't get better? Not in that respect. No. And that's probably my failure. We'll get him a wife and then she'll make him pick up oh, his room. Oh, 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 wait. This is her spectrum. Husband. <laughs> Sorry. She, he can get a husband, a wife. I don't care. Somebody else can clean up his mess at someday. I don't know. I have to pay for that one. All right. I have like a list of a million things I would like. We're just going to have to have you on for like the next 17 episodes. Oh. But one of the first times I heard your name was with Bobby McFerrin oh. and vocabularies. If you're in acapella and you don't know Bobby McFerrin's name, I 
can't help you. I mean, that album was just, I mean, to this day, I listened to it. What was that like? Yeah, I mean, an incredible project. And I was not one of the first people in that. Actually, my colleague, Lauren Kinnan, was one of the first people in, in the first chapter of this project. And definitely the brainchild of Roger Treese, really good friend, who took Bobby's ideas with Voicestra and transcribed them and turned them into vocal arrangements with Bobby's language. That's Bobby's language, yeah. right? That he has all made his up, own. that we all had to learn. And there's over 60 vocalists on this recording. And it took over seven years, I think, to pull it all together. And then it finally had to go to other hands. I think my friend Gary Eckert tied it all up at the end to kind of get it out the door. But everyone, for the most part, recorded individually. And there were times when I was the very first track of something. No pressure. No pressure at all. Right. To create the basic. And then other voices would add. Or there was something there that my sound had to fill out or there was something there that my sound had to change. It was an honor and a thrill to be a part of it and to end up, you know, being one of the top four people to have the most time invested in this project is definitely a, a feather in my cap and something I'm very, very proud of. And Roger Treese was amazing to work with because when you are in that studio for like, there were times when sessions were six hours long and it was just he and I, and it was just, you get into the zen of what Bobby was saying and, and you have to memorize it, you have to embody it, and then you have to deliver something special, right, with it that other people can either imitate or sing, or that's it, right, or that's the product. It was definitely layer upon layer upon layer upon layer. And you rarely do you hear your sound, right. but you know that you are part of that beautiful orchard of vocal trees. You and know? that's just so special. I love when you when you get into, I mean, especially at a collaboration at that level, but when you do something, you're like, I can't even hear myself, but I know I'm in there and it's just beautiful. And yeah. to think that you recorded it with Jeff yourself mostly for you to me I never I don't I tell most guests my background I'm a barbershop singer that's where my I am a two-time international champion in that acapella arena and imagine creating something like that without ever hearing the other three I mean it blows my mind like my barbershop doesn't happen unless all four people are there like you can't practice you can't sing you can't do anything no nope, right. paralyzed we're like mm. <laughs> but you know Roger had you know all the harmonies and there were tracks going and all that kind of thing and there was one experience when I did get to sing with I think it was at least four other people it might have been Lauren and Janice Siegel and myself and LaTanya LaTanya so the B team is what you're saying oh yeah <laughs> right I know but Those I, was, slackers. <laughs> I was so short LaTanya and I were singing the same part and I was so short and we shared a mic so I had to stand up on like a milk crate and sing with her which was just really fun it was just really, really fun. It's amazing. So Kim and I actually, you know, I've known your music forever, but we actually got to meet thanks to Toby Hoog. Yes. We met in Germany, you know. Yes, let me meet someone that I've been listening to sing my entire life, <laughs> but just stumble upon her in a village in Germany. But you do quite a bit in Germany and in Europe. What's that experience like? Because, you know, we all see you as New York Voices here. And then I find out you have like a whole separate life going on over in Most Europe. Europeans, they keep it like really hush-hush so they can keep it all to themselves. So can you let us like have a little peek into what you get to do over there? <laughs> yes, of course. First of all, one of our booking agents lives in Cologne, Cologne, Germany. Yeah, right. What a beautiful, oh, actually you can't see it because it's, this is audio. I have a beautiful candle of 
Cologne sitting right here next to me Aww. and many friends in Cologne. Um, Take Six was performing in Cologne when I was there in the late 90s. Yeah, and probably at that same concert. Yeah, <laughs> I'm guessing so. It was crazy. I remember it to this day. They were having the summit, like the World Peace Summit and Take Six. And I was more excited to be like, Take Six is in town. And they're like, I was like, no, no, we need to go. Well, they, I think they helped to create peace on the, on the planet. Yeah. Too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm a big fan. But so that's where a lot of our gigs come from is this wonderful uh, woman, Catherine, with Just Jazz International. And through her, we've met many people and we've also gotten into some teaching as well <laughs> there. That's kind of where the model for our vocal jazz camp came from, was from our teaching experience in <laughs> Germany. But the other uh, wonderful experiences that we've had, I've, I've taught at the Vocal Pop and Jazz Days in Holland, been at Aarhus. You guys must know the, oh, the festival yes. in Aarhus. It's my bucket list. I will get there yes, eventually, hopefully this there. year. You will be there. You will be there. And, you know, now the Black Forest Voices Festival in Bavaria, in Germany, there in Kirchstadt. That's a hard one to say. Yes, they definitely jumped me. And I, when I was just telling stories, I'm like, usually I'm really good about like learning at least a little bit of the language so I don't look like the ugly American. And I realized when I arrived there that all of my conversations with Toby had always been in English. So my brain never was like, oh, hey, don't worry. The Germans are like, it's okay. We speak English better than you speak German. Here we go. <laughs> it felt really bad. I was like, I know nothing. Don't shame. Nobody has ever made me feel worse about my English, but yet so good about myself than my German friends. They're so kind at telling me how poorly I speak English, but they do it in such a sweet way that I'm like, you're right. I do speak English bad. Teach me. Wow. Worse than the French, huh? Oh, no. French are just mean and, and I'm not going to go to France because I don't speak French. Anyway, now that we've dished two countries. Um, <laughs> dog on myself. We also have our camp in Machtoberdorf with our wonderful camp director, wonderful vocalist, Anne Chikowsky. So we have some roots. We have performance roots. We have teaching roots and jazz is appreciated so much over in Europe and you can make a living singing jazz in Europe because the arts are funded by what yes the artists are concept? funded by their countries they have art councils they have radio big bands and radio orchestras that we work with we made a record with the WDR big band in Cologne Germany right we went on tour with you know the jazz legends and did a recording with them. Yes, we are very, very grateful for the European audience that appreciates the American art form of jazz and can actually pay to listen to it. Right? And it's amazing what happens when there's state and public funded arts. And it's not just the money that's there. It changes the whole environment. Oh, yeah. When you the see, money, yep. the radio, the culture, the appreciation, the education, you know, it kind oh of gosh. all it's a system that works. It's a machine that works, you know, and it really works for us. I'm just like over here being like, preach. I taught for 13 years before I just, I had kids and couldn't do it anymore. And I just remember every time I would introduce students to a different musical style than that they were used to and the light bulbs would go off. And I just would remember like, oh, like the students aren't choosing to not like or not listen to. They just, I don't know, it exists. One of those funny things, have you guys seen the reaction videos? Those two kids. TikTok? Oh, the, yeah. The two the brothers or whatever, to, to and they sing or something, and... and they watch classic songs like classic rock or even older, and they react to it, and they're like, "This is a bop!" Like, yeah, <laughs> like they like it's just you know it's education, and um, it's what 
you put your energy into and what you put your time into and what you give back to your own community and your own local artists. And that's not saying to not listen to mainstream acapella or right. mainstream music. It's a whole culture. But it's about exposure. It's about exposure to anything and everything that is good for us. And with my own students, you know, especially in the college level, they're expected to listen to at least 20 things that I assign them every lesson. And even in my own private studio, I give listening homework. And it's like, check this out. I've listened to the radio for an eight hour drive and took notes and I wrote down stuff and this is so exciting. And I learned about this. How about this? Do you like this? Will this inspire your next arrangement or your next composition, right? Does this right. turn you on? Do you get excited about this groove? And you have to step out of your comfort zone. And it's like tasting new foods. You have to try these, you know, textures and these spices and these creams and these broths so that you know what you like and don't like and what you'd like to do and not do, right? You have to make educated decisions and choices based on information. This is bringing us back almost exactly full circle, Amanda, to our beginning where we said you have to do lots of things or be willing to do lots of things. I mean, some artists get lucky and they find that one thing and they do it forever. But I bet more people than not assumed you, Kim, probably did New York Voices, you know, and you're Oh just, gosh, no, I never even know. thought New York Voices was it. Right? <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Like you, you were waiting for when it was it right like i'm gonna find I'm the still waiting yeah where's the <laughs> it right i love when people are like whoa like such and such bubblegum pop star actually plays classical piano and i'm like of course right. they do like, why Riot plays class or played <laughs> classic piano like and then people yeah. are like oh look at justin bieber you know he can sit down and he's like oh he can play he can play all the instruments oh you know some of these musicians didn't just pop up overnight and i want to say right. most of them did not but i think and they're keeping up with jacob collier yeah oh, oh boom right Aren't we is there a keeping up with jacob collier or is there anything else you want to touch on, Kim? Well, I am for the first time um, teaching at an acapella camp here in Cleveland for adults. Yeah, my friend Reginald Bowens, you know, one of the most From talented. Afro Blue, Reginald Bowens? Yes. Yes. I know who Afro Blue is. Yes. So yeah, he started an acapella camp for adults. And he's still taking people if people want to join. And he's writing a new arrangement that everyone will record and debut in this camp. I am one of the teachers and Kenetra Miller from Howard University and Afro Blue is one of the other teachers as well. Gosh. So yes, that I would mean, be- I mean, if there were ever a reason for adult summer camp, that would be it. Yeah, it's every Sunday. Well, not every Sunday. It's the Sundays that are listed at acapella camp. 2.0. That's my big acapella news for the summer or something new that I'm doing this year. I see so many people in the acapella community going, wow, the New York verses are really good. The swingles are really good. Afro blue is really good. I'm like, well, now you have an opportunity to go learn what makes them tick. Yeah. <laughs> That's all it, you, you just go expose it. Like you said, expose yourself to all of these things. And you might not end up being a straight up jazz arranger or composer or singer, but you take on elements of it and it makes you a stronger performer in whatever you do. That's so right. I wish more people wouldn't just sit on the sidelines and go, those groups are awesome. I don't think I could ever do that. So I'm just going to sit over here on my side. Oh, gosh. So no, when I see something that, that makes me crazy, I like run toward that thing. And I'm like, who are you? How do you do this? I want to know how to do this. I want to be a part of this. Teach me how to do this. That's how I got into a band. It's called El Echo. I sing with an Argentinian drummer out of Boston uh, in a band called El Echo. I sing with a Mexican bass player in Iowa. His name's Gabriel Espinosa. So those are my two outside projects. And my first live gig returning after COVID, I'm going to Slovenia next 
month for a project called Europe Cantat, which is a huge choral event. And it's been reduced, 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 nearly canceled, reduced, right? <laughs> Amanda and I are really good at laundry and we can iron and fold and steam. We got oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. But it's something that you should think about for your group next year because it's a, a huge event. And I am singing for the first time in Slovenian for a TV show with Katarina Henryson from The Real Group. Again, you hang out with the B listers, Kim. I just don't. <laughs> I'm, I'm I like, I get nervous just thinking about it, but she's the sweetest, sweetest woman. And my husband wrote a slamming arrangement. So we're singing a Slovenian song and we're doing a new workshop together called Breathing Life into Music. And yeah, yeah. So we're using a portion. I'm teaching a portion of In My Life and she's teaching a portion of Peter Carlson's A Lifetime Takes a Lifetime to Fulfill. And okay. we're- well, Chris, we're just going to pack our bags and we're just going to follow Kim around the world. <laughs> right. That's what I said. We're really good, good at laundry. And uh, like Amanda's really good at Google calendars. You guys are crazy. So aside from Slovenia, which I will one day follow you to Slovenia, New York Voices does something a little closer to home. Can you tell us a little bit about your own camp? Yes, it will be in its 13th year. It was a dream of mine. And it started at Bowling Green State University, then moved to Ithaca College. And now it lives at Western Michigan University under the direction of Greg Jaspers, one of the best vocal jazz conductors on the planet. And for the second time, we are doing it virtually just to be safe because we did not want to cancel the camp because of one COVID infection. That was the absolute risk. So we're doing that. Numbers aren't quite as high as they were last year. So if anyone is still interested in joining us for six days of virtual music making, lots of fun. The new element that we've added are special guests every night. Luciana Sosa is coming. Reggie Bowens and Christy DeShield is coming. Dylan Bell and Suba are coming. Free play. You know, everyone's a little bit online virtual class tired, but again, like you don't have to go to Michigan for this. Some of these, it's like, oh, I can go because I don't have to travel there. And as you know as exciting as that is. Think outside of the box. Sign your whole group up. Everybody go to the camp. And now you have a new song. And you can sing together. And you can be in the same room if you're quarantined together. And you can sing and enjoy the camp. That's right. Actually, you will learn two songs. If you're a full camper, you will learn one song in your smaller ensemble. And you will learn the new piece that Greg is writing called Spirit for the full camp experience. And and you can decide a la carte what session you want to do. Do you want to take classes? Do you want to be in an ensemble? Or do you want to come in the evening for concerts and special guest artists? I think it's a good design. Hopefully we'll be in person next year. But like I said, anyone that is uh, interested, please go to the New York Voices website and check out information about our domestic camp and our Germany camp at the end of August if you want to sing in person. And we'll link everything in the show notes and all our social media posts so that you can find it easily because you want to find a way to find yourself in the same room as Kim as often as possible. <laughs> you are so sweet. You have made my evening. And what you do is so important. You highlight people. You make people feel special and you get unique messages out in a very unique way. So thank you for what you do. I mean, I love this job. This is my favorite job ever. <laughs> well, that's all we have for tonight, folks. It has been an absolute pleasure. I don't want to stop talking, but we have to let Kim go. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, we'll my see- pleasure. And everybody else, we'll see you next Tuesday. See you next Tuesday.